face seeable. Well, good morning. Glad you guys are joining us. Good morning again. Um, I hope that you uh, spend some time this week praying for Bob Michelle Peterson. Uh, they have been longtime faithful participants in our church and a fruit of the ministry of this church. And, uh, and this last year has been a lot of change and transition for them, and, and uh, um, I love them and their faithfulness. Uh, we, are, we are continuing through the book of Matthew. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew 11 is where we're going to be today. Matthew 11. Um, uh, Matthew 11. Uh, it says this. In Matthew 11, let me just start reading because we're going to get right in the story because between the interview with the missionaries and uh, the amount we have to get through, we got a lot to get through today, so let me just get right into it. It says this, Matthew 11, verse 11, or verse 7 is where we're going to start. It says this, as these men were going away, this, remember this is John's disciples, last week we talked about John's disciples, so as they're leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. Okay, about John the Baptist, and just to set some context, remember, Jesus says in another spot, actually in this passage a little bit later, that there was no man born of a woman greater than John the Baptist. John the Baptist is in prison. He sent the message to Jesus, are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? And Jesus quotes um, Isaiah, which says a lot of things that the Messiah is going to do, but he leaves one thing out. The one thing out is that he's going to set the captives free. And he's telling John that he, he is the Messiah, he is the one that everyone's hoped for, that he is the one who's going to redeem and restore all things, who's bringing back all things together to the way God intended them to be. He is that guy, but you're going to die in prison. And so last week we talked about that sometimes following Jesus turns out badly. And so as John's disciples leave and they head back, Jesus says this, obviously taking the opportunity in the moment, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Those who wear soft clothing are in king's palaces. Okay, Because you remember, if you know the story of John the Baptist, he in fact didn't wear any soft clothes. He didn't have nice things to eat. He lived in the wilderness. He, he abstained from so many of the comforts of this world. And he lived at the, in the desert on the edge of the river. And he proclaimed to the people of God, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Right? And so he says, when you went out to go see John, this man, this great man of God, what did you go to see? Did you go to see some... Uh, pop royalty, some really well-dressed, beautiful. No, no, that, that's not what you went to go see. It goes on and says this in verse 9. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. I tell you, and one who is more than a prophet, this is one about whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you, you uh, ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. And it goes on in verse uh, 11, truly I say to you, among those born of a woman, there was not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven, now this is an interesting thing, this first thing we're going to talk about today, okay? From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and violent men take hold of it. That's a weird 
verse that since the days of John the Baptist, that, that uh, until now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence uh, and violent men take it by force. We're going to talk today about the difference between, um, we're going to talk today about legalism. And specifically, we're going to talk about the difference between having a childlike faith and being childish. But the first thing that I want you to notice and I want you to see in this passage is that Jesus sees what the uh, religious leaders of his day are doing. Jesus sees their attack on the people. Jesus sees their regulations and their burden and the rejection of him as the Messiah. What he sees it as is he sees it as violent. He sees it as violent. There's no indication at this point. In fact, towards the end of this passage, it's going to say that they, they, found, they wanted to go away and find a way that they could destroy him, right? Carrying with this violence thing. But there's no indication at this point, up to this passage, that there's been any violence inflicted on Jesus or his followers. But instead, that legalism, that, that the, the uh, idea that you can set up a construct of rules that allows people to earn their way into heaven, Jesus equates as violence. Just, t- just take a moment and, and think about this for a second. What Jesus is saying is that anytime we set anything up besides faith in Jesus as a way for us to draw near to God, anytime we create obstacles in the way on purpose or on accident for someone coming near to Jesus, that what we are engaging in is violence, is violence, is destructive, is hateful, is hurtful. The religious leaders of Jesus' day, I think many of them had really good things in mind, were really well-intentioned. We're going to look in Matthew 12, we're going to look at their conversation about the Sabbath, we're going to get that in June 1st, the first week in June, we're going to talk about that passage, or no, actually the second week in June, we're going to talk about that passage about, but what they were trying to do was God gave them 613 laws in the Old Testament. He gave them all these laws, and then the religious leaders of Jesus' day had created what initially were intended to be like guardrails, right? And they were like, well, you know, if you can't do this, we got to make sure that people stay six inches extra further away, right? And we got to create these guardrails. And I think that many of the religious leaders of Jesus' day thought that the additional rules they'd heap on people about the way they should dress, the way they need to eat, the way they need to interact in public, the people they could interact with, the views that they needed to have, or the policies, or the the positions they needed to stand for, or the groups that they needed to be associated with or not associated with, I think they started well-intentioned. But what Jesus sees is any time we create an obstacle between someone else coming in to Jesus, that it's violence. In fact, there's a story in Matthew 21, there's a parable Jesus tells about this vineyard owner, and he has this vineyard, and he leaves his people to work the vineyard, and it says that he sent messengers, right? He sends messengers back to the vineyard to give him a message back to the vineyard, and uh, it says that every single time they would take him and they would beat them, or they would kill them, and they'd run them off, right? The owner of this vineyard would send messages to the vineyard managers, and they would beat them. And then he says, finally, he says, well, at least if I send my son, they won't. 
And so he sends his son, and what do they do with the son? They kill him. This is all violence. What Jesus is saying is that, that, that any time we create obstacles in between people coming near to God, that we are attacking, we are violently attacking the kingdom of God. It's the thing that when you look through all the passages, it's the thing that infuriates Jesus. It's the times that Jesus gets um, angry are the times where people have created obstacles between people coming near to Jesus. That Jesus would say to us, I believe, just as he's saying to these people, that anytime we create obstacles between God and the people that are trying to find him, we are engaging in violence against the kingdom. You remember, we've talked about this the last couple of weeks, that we have been called to be a kingdom of priests. You know what a kingdom of priests are? They're intended to be a conduit that clears the pathway between people and God. And Jesus sees obstacles as violence. And so I wonder for each one of us, are there things in our life where we've believed culturally significant things, we've believed political things, we've believed things we saw on Facebook, we've posted things on Facebook or on social media that have become a stumbling block to others finding their way to Jesus because anytime we engage in being a stumbling block to people finding their way to Jesus, Jesus would see us as being violent against the kingdom of God. The Bible all throughout takes this so seriously. In fact, there's a a passage um, uh, where Paul's writing to a church, and there's this group of people that we call, they didn't call them at the time, but we call them now uh, um, in commentary stuff, we call them Judaizers. And what they were trying to do is they would say, Jesus and circumcision, right? So there'd be Jesus and then these extra rules that you had to add on. Jesus and this thing, right? Jesus and you had to be a Jew. Jesus and you had to follow dietary law. Jesus and you had to dress a certain way. Jesus and you had to not associate with this political party or associate with this political party, right? Jesus and these things, right? And he says at one point, part of the the Judaizers' claim was that you had to be circumcised, okay? And because this is online, we don't know who's watching, we're not going to go into details about what that is, but uh, Jesus and, and circumcision, right? They said Jesus, and then you had to be physically circumcised to be a part of the kingdom of God. And you know what Paul writes back? He says, he says, man, you know what? For all those people who say you have to be circumcised, I wish that they just cut it all off. That's literally what it says. Because he sees this such an affront to the gospel. Because you see, the invitation to the kingdom of God is Jesus and nothing. Jesus and nothing. That anything else that creates an obstacle between God and and the people trying to grow near to them is an affront to God and is violence and he becomes angry. And so in fact... There's a point in time where Paul goes to the the leaders of the church and he asks them to write a letter. And this is what it says in Acts 15. This is the response that they give him. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us, this is the letter that he writes for them to carry out, to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials. You abstain from things sacrificed to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication. If you keep yourselves from such things, you will do well. Farewell. That's it. That's it. Just following Jesus. 
and that when we create obstacles for others, we are an offense. We are making violence to the kingdom of God. Jesus equates legalism of religion with violence. One person wrote this. It says, they've been forcing their way into the kingdom through violence. Violent people have been raiding it, is what one translation says. Kind of like saying they've been pillaging it, but the king is back now. The king is back. The other thing about legalism is it's really childish. Let's read verse 16 and on. Verse 16, it says this. But to what shall I compare this generation? It's like children sitting in the marketplace. Right? Can you just hear the intonation in that? There's two types of children, right? There's, there, and we're going to talk about it. There's, there's being childlike, which Jesus is, is all about, right? He says, he says to, 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 unless you become like one of these children, to become like, childlike, and then there's being childish, being childish. This is not childlike. It's like children sitting in the marketplace who call out to other, the other children and say, we played the flute for you. You didn't dance. We sang a dirge and you didn't mourn. Right? It's whining. It's throwing a fit. It's throwing a fit. Jesus is critiquing them for throwing a fit because they went to go see John. And he asked them, he's like, what do you, what do you want from John? John came. He didn't eat. He didn't drink. He abstained himself from all the creatures of this world. And you hated John. The Messiah comes and he eats and drinks with people. And he hangs out with sinners and broken people. And you hate him. You're throwing a fit that you want it to be your way. Legalism is like a three-year-old who depends that everyone play the rules they play the game by their rules. That when we choose to expect others to play by our rules more than simply following Jesus and being obedient to what he's called them and clearing, being priests, clearing the way for others to find their way to Jesus, we're like little children throwing a fit. If you want to be part of my club, you have to do this. If you want to be part of my club, you have to wear these clothes. And if you want to be part of my club, you have to vote this way. And if you want to be part of my club, you have to go to these places, but you can't associate with these people. If you want to be part of, if you're not going to do those things, you can't be part of my club. It's childish. It's childish. The legalism is childish. In fact, Jesus says this in verse 25. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned. Do you hear the sarcasm in Jesus? And revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. You see, in our walk with Jesus, there is a distinct difference between being childish and being childlike. Jesus welcomes and invites and celebrates childlike faith. But it's so easy for us to become childish. So I want to take a moment and I want to read you some verses and show you the difference between what it looks like in your walk with Jesus to being childish and to be childlike. So the first thing is this, is, um, is that what it means to be childlike is, is to be curious and to ask questions. James 1.19 says this, This you know, my beloved brethren, 
But everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. My wife's been teaching our our kids this song, and they're probably saying it right now if they're watching online. You must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. What it means to be childlike is to have a kind of curiosity that submits yourself to the wisdom and the knowledge of another, that seeks to understand, who sees the world fresh and new with wonder. What it means to be childish is to demand that everybody listens to you. I wonder if there's many of us that should take to heart James 1.19 when we look at what we post on social media. How often, how often when social media is largely the way we socially interact with the world right now during this quarantine, how often are we quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry? Because the faith of a child that Jesus celebrates all throughout his ministry is a kind of faith that listens well. The difference between being childlike and being childish is, uh, is that when things go down, a childlike faith, a child becomes hurt, but childish becomes offended. Because you see, to be childish is to be offended by the assault against you, but a child falls on the ground, trips and skids their knees and cries with honest pain. Romans 12, 15 tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. There is never an encouragement in Scripture for you to be easily offended. In fact, I would argue there's never an encouragement in Scripture for you to ever be offended. But there are times where we hurt. And there are times where we're honest enough with ourselves that all we can do is cry. What it means to be childlike and to be childish. Childlike means to be part of restoring what is broken. Childish means to become angry and aggressive and divisive. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19, it says this, He has given us the ministry of reconciliation and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. That if we're to be the followers of Jesus, the kind of people that Jesus celebrates and, and congratulates and honors, then we are to be the kind of people who bring about restoration and reunion and restoring what is broken, not dividing in anger or aggressiveness. What it means to have childlike faith is to be humble. To be humble. It's been said that to be humble is not to think less of yourself, but to think of yourself less. What it means to be childish is to be arrogant. James 4.10, it says this, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. What it means to be childlike versus childish, childlike means to be playful. Childish means to be violent, angry to punch and to throw and to stamp on the ground and, and to throw a fit and to pound your fist against things. 
But Galatians 5.22 says that this is what we're to be. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That if we were to be those things, that if the fruit of the Spirit was to be born in us, and we were to be people full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, there would be a kind of playfulness. There would be a kind of joy and rejoicing that would shock the world in the midst of fear and anger and divisiveness. To be childlike versus being childish means looking like, and this is maybe the most important one, is that to be childlike means to trust. But child, childish means to claim that you know. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Just pause there for a second. Underline that if you've got a Bible. Write that somewhere. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In this time of uncertainty, in this time of fear, in this time of division, and this time of of constant confusion and questions and, and, and critique and anger that we see everywhere and fear and worry, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. You see, what it means to be childish is to claim some sense of knowing or control that we all have quickly learned through this whole pandemic. We have no control over the things of this world. But what it means to be childlike is to trust. The kind of faith that Jesus says, look, look, unless you become like these little kids and come to me, you won't have a part of the kingdom. It's to, be, to have a kind of faith that trusts that he is good and kind and he is able. I, uh, a couple years ago, well, just last year, we went to Lake Shasta as a family, and we went on a houseboat and, you know, tubed and skied all week and all those kind of fun things. And uh, early on in the week, my dad uh, convinced our kids um, and some of uh, nephews and nieces to water ski with them. Now, just so you know, the oldest that did it, well, I think the oldest at the time that did it was eventually eight years old, but most of these that we're talking about are under five-year-old kids, maybe six year old kids, three, four, five, six year old kids. So it wasn't actually them skiing. What they would do is he would double ski and he would have them hold his chest and just hold and, and put their face right against his chest and hold him as tight as he could. And he'd put his arms around him and he'd hold the, the handles and then they'd go and they'd stand up, right? And then he'd take them because my dad is a beast and more buff than any person who's uh, 75 years old or is he 75? He's old. Um, he's, <laughs> he's probably not watching right now. Anyway, he's going to be angry when he finds out that I told him he was that old. Um, uh, he would take him and he'd hold him in, in one arm and, he, and he'd hold him. And, and the first time he did this with my daughter a couple years before that, uh, she kept saying, I don't want to get my hair wet. I don't want to get my hair wet. I don't want to get my hair wet. And he, and, he, and he told her, he goes, okay, well, we won't get your hair wet, right? And so they get up, and, and they're skiing, and it comes to the end, and he, he lets go of the rope, and they begin to sing, and he actually takes her, and he holds her up, and he goes under the water just so her hair doesn't get wet, right? This, this is what it means to trust our God, that you lose all sense of control, 
And instead of thinking that you can force yourself to stay above water, that you can control where the boat goes or what happens in the water, but instead to hold fast to our Father and to trust Him. To trust Him. My son, uh, when we go to do bedtime, you know, we, we kind of go through this rhythm of bedtime stuff, and I'll spare you all the sappy details of it, but a couple times over the last couple months, I don't know where he even heard this name, but I guess there's this thing called Wolfie, right? He may have just made it up in his head. And uh, one of his stall tactics, right, if you have kids, you know, they come up with all these great stall tactics, and he, and he goes, he goes, but Dad, Dad, I, I, I afraid, I afraid, because Wolfie going to come, right? And I, and I look at him and say, hey, uh, you, know, you know why you've never seen Wolfie in our house? Because I'd beat him up. Because he knows that I'm tougher than him and I'd whoop him any moment. And you know he's even tougher than daddy? God's tougher than daddy. And God will whoop Wolfie. You see, having a childlike faith is like my son who has all these things in this world that he's convinced he should be afraid of. And yet when he looks into the eyes of his father, he knows that his father will protect him. What it means to have a childlike faith is to know all the things of this world that look like we should be terrified of, but looking into the eyes of your heavenly Father and know that he is good and he's able. This morning, this morning I wonder, I wonder what it is in your life that you need to let go and you need to trust. I wonder what your wolfie is. Uh, because you see, here, here, here's where, where I find the root of most childish behavior. is because there is actually something we're afraid of. But we don't believe that anybody can take care of us. We don't believe that anybody can trust us. And we believe that we need to do our effort to protect ourselves and to care for ourselves. And so we, we become angry and aggressive and offended to protect and to take care of ourselves. And we throw a tantrum to look big and bad and aggressive and strong. I wonder, I wonder what of it in your life, you just need to go to God and say, man, like I'm terrified. I don't know what's going to happen with my job. I don't know what's going to happen with my kids. I don't know what to do with this, 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 this brokenness that I see in me all the time. I don't know what to do with the hurt, the hurt that someone else did to me that I just haven't been able to get through. I don't know what to do with the shame I feel for what I've done. I wonder. I wonder what is it today that you need to trust our good and loving Father for he says at the end of the passage that it is the little children, the little children who come and trust, not the wise and learned and strong and independent, but the little children that he's chosen to reveal the kingdom to. So this morning, if you want to see more of God, more of his power, more of his goodness, more of his grace, more peace in your life, what is it that you need to lay down and trust him with?